Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we discuss the late pick five at Santa Anita on Saturday, January 7th, 2023. This is show number 207, January 6th, 2023. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, I've been hearing about a, a lot of rain on the West Coast. Has it been raining near you? Uh, yeah, I, not we haven't been in the uh, what do they call it? I can't uh, atmospheric flood or whatever it is. We haven't been quite in that lane, but uh, we've had quite a bit of moisture, um, you know, more than normal for the winter time. But it, nothing like they're having in California. I think the the main pipeline is right over like Northern California. Yeah, and there was a lot of rain in Santa Anita. There's no turf racing today, so uh, hopefully everything will be fine by tomorrow. It's not it's not warm in California. It's not warm in Southern California. It's going to be like a high of 57 tomorrow. I'm looking at the track feed right now, and uh, weather looks great out there today. I'm not sure how the turf course handled all the moisture, but hopefully by tomorrow we'll be good to go. Support the Sport of Kings podcast by contributing to our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash sportofkings and donate as little as $3 per month. That's patreon.com slash sportofkings. Thank you for your support. And we have a special guest. He's a regular handicapper on the In the Money podcast. He's one of the principals behind the new Thoroughpace handicapping tool. He's Tyler Wisman. Tyler, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Tyler. Well, um, I know that you're involved in this new thorough pace venture. And um, because because we have a special offer that people can try it for free, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so so right now, thanks for the opportunity. And hopefully people can go to the sportofkings.net website and, and sign up for a free account. And it'll put some of the stuff we discussed today in a little bit of context. But basically, it's a, a pace. The handicapping program, if you will, we refer to it as premium race analytics, where we assign a, a pace forecast for races um, that have objective data with them on a 70 point scale. Uh, that 70 point scale goes from minus 35, which would be a speed favoring race and plus 35, which would be a stretch runner favoring race or closers as some people refer to. Um, so that's kind of like the, the principal product, but then kind of taking the, the next step we then analyze uh, runners and see what the pace dynamics are of the races that they are exiting. So, you know, I think obviously most people know closer that closes into a slow pace might get a better setup in the, the future, uh, but might not, or a speed horse that's on a very hot pace, um, but hung around for a piece of it, or maybe even hung on to win. Uh, in some people's mind that that might be an upgrade. 
So what we're doing is basically marrying those two concepts and, and also, you know, trying to quickly and simplistically share that information, I guess is how I would put it. So, um, you know, we have two core products right now, one where we provide the forecast, one where we provide what we call spotlight plays. And we are probably morphing those into a single report that will be basically a combination um, of the two. So, you know, the, the good thing about having a small and, and nimble team is that we can constantly iterate on our product. And, um, you know, it's it's been a, a good success so far. We've had people that have signed up. And if any of the listeners out there take a look at the product and have feedback, we're always welcome to that as well. All right. Um, well, hopefully you'll be able to share some of that uh, knowledge on the races today. I, we talked beforehand and it seemed like maybe it, it didn't apply as much to the races today, but um, but but hopefully you've got some insight. Exactly. And and we'll we'll talk about that throughout the races. But um, thorough pace is, is one where, you know, at least for us that are, are using it regularly, uh, it, it works best or tends to work best when there can be some pace extremes where you can identify uh, which runners might be able to take advantage of it. But, you know, it's also useful in, in some of the races that that look rather mundane from a pace perspective, but there can be, you know, certain elements that come to light. Um, I will say also that, uh, you know, any pace product, pro product, if you will, is subject to being impacted by scratches. So that's one caveat and note that I will say, uh, we, we will update with scratches a few times a day. It is not automatic with the, the feed, if you will, um, but we do try to get it obviously well ahead of the, the races. But obviously if you have a race that's loaded with pace and some of that, um, pace is scratched from the race that changes the complexion uh, quite a bit in some cases if you have a speed favoring race and so there are some scratches you know sometimes that can even help you even further as well so scratches are definitely important all right before i direct our listeners to how to get a free account chris do you have any questions on thorough pace for tyler well um i'm just curious uh, what i've discovered when i'm trying to to do you know, develop tools um, to help me handicap. One of the biggest benefits was not necessarily the tool that comes out of it, but just what you learn in the process of developing the tool. So and is that true for you? And if so, you know, what are the, the things that you learned in the process of developing this tool that you think make you a better handicapper, um, even if you weren't using the tool? So a couple things on that, right? Like the one is that uh, as I've developed as a horse player, if you will, I, I tend to incorporate new things each year, you know, not necessarily each year, but along the way. And pace is not necessarily relatively new, but, you know, obviously this year's Kentucky, or I guess technically last year's Kentucky Derby being a, a wonderful example of, you know, there's sometimes no greater factor in a race than than pace, right? It, it's It's very significant. So, Doing a deep dive on that in general has been very beneficial, but for me, it's it's become almost more so changing the way that I play the races as opposed to handicapping, if that makes sense. Um, and the way what I mean by that is that you know prior to Thorough Pace coming along and, and me being involved in it, I was pretty much an exclusive multi-race race, race player. Right, my handle was heavily skewed that way, um, and really over the last six months, that has probably flipped on its head a little bit. And now I'm looking for races where, you know, I can make a win or a win place bet on a, a, a horse that I have a lot more confidence on based on the thorough pace angles that I, that we've identified. 
Um, and then also, you know, from a vertical perspective as well, like one of the best tools that I've found with ThoroughPace is that I'm, I'm much more successful at doing two things. One is identifying vulnerable favorites. Um, and the second is identifying um, horses that are, you know, quote, long shots that have a, a good shot to hit the board or, or a larger than expected uh, shot at hitting the board. So for, for that reason, it's kind of changed the way that I've actually allocated my bankroll. Yeah, that's a really good lesson for all the listeners because we we usually cover a pick five um, on our podcast. But, you know, I always uh, encourage people to play, you know, horses you like in the verticals or to win in the sequence. Don't just put, you know, build a portfolio of wagers that match your wagering opinion and don't put all your eggs in one basket, especially in the exotic like horizontal plays. I mean, if there's some races in the sequence you like, make sure you're playing those races, you know, individually in the vertical pools and, you know, whichever vertical pools you prefer and don't just focus on those horizontals. So I think that's a really good um, thing for everybody to keep in mind, no matter, you know, what sort of player you are, because, you know, there's all sorts of opportunities and, and you want to use all the tools in your toolkit that you're comfortable using. Couldn't agree more. All right. Well, I'm really looking forward to this podcast. And in fact, well, before we get into the races, I uh, just want to direct people to the Sport of Kings website. Go to sportofkings.net and right smack dab in the middle, the upper middle, there's a banner. Uh, which you can click on in order to get to thorough pace and um, begin a free trial subscription. And you don't have to give a credit card or anything like that. You can check it out. And um, I don't know how long it's going to be free, but um, enjoy it for as long as it is and then decide whether you want to um, pay for it. Yeah, def- definitely through the end of this month, we'll, we'll continue to give away, you know, basically everything, if you will. Okay, so <clears throat> for the rest of January, just go to sportofkings.net, click through there, and um, and hopefully the tool will help you out. And I'm going to check it out myself. Okay, so uh, the we were going to do the pick five, but there is a force out of the jackpot pick six at Santa Anita tomorrow and on Saturday. So So we're going to actually start with the fifth race. Um, and and actually cover that entire pick six. And the fifth race is a maiden claimer. I don't have all the details on it, but it's a maiden claimer on dirt. And um, Tyler would love to hear what you think about this particular race. Yeah, so when we start off with this race, so first off, I mentioned that the Therapace forecast, which is essentially an objective projection of what we think the, the pace is going to be. Obviously, when we have first-time starters or first-time North American horses, that makes that objective data, you know, it, it, incomplete to at a minimum, right? So with that, we do not have a forecast. However, we do have some information on a few of the runners. Um, obviously, the six Kings Og, which is going to be uh, likely the the post-time favorite, but has already ran six times and finished fourth second. Lasix could help this horse, but um, you know, to me, is really without excuses in the last couple of races in terms of uh, sealing the deal. So. I would be slightly against that horse. Um, you know, again, you never know that uh, how much Lasix will help that runner. Perhaps it could push it over the, the hump, so to speak. I know, Scott, you like second-time starters. There's several of those. But I'm actually going to, if I play the the, the pick six, will we'll lean pretty heavily on the number two, Soul of Midnight. Um, this is actually a, a, 
a pre fairly precocious sire in terms of getting two-year-olds to win. Uh, the siblings are are both winners, um, and Peterson hits pretty pretty strongly uh, with first-time starters and maiden claiming races. And so if you kind of do a little few filters, he's two for nine at maiden claiming races on the dirt at Santa Anita. Um, the works are steady. They're not flashy. Uh, I don't think there's any world beaters in here. So for me, I, again, I would lean on uh, a trainer that that tends to to do pretty well with this move. Soul of Midnight with uh, a <clears throat> jockey-trainer combo hitting at 25%. Chris, what are you thinking here? Well, first of all, I just want to correct one thing that Tyler said. I'm the one who likes the second-time starter. Scott typically gravitates towards the first-time starter, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ends up on the same horse you like, Tyler, because of the <laughs> hey. first-time starters. Hey, let me, let, me, let, me, let me just say, interject, that I've always made a point of saying that whenever you play the pick five, I want to play every second time starter. I think that's probably what, uh, what Tyler's referring to. That's what I'm referring to. Like kind of a blind include on Scott's part, but, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, the, at the point you made about King Zog and also the second favorite in here, stay in the game. I want to amplify a bit. I mean, between the two of them, they're over 15. And they're not dropping in class. They've been at this level for a while. So in a maiden claiming race, when the two favorites have consistently been losing at the level, I think there's opportunity there to play against them. So, uh, you know, typically in a small field like this with a lot of um, lightly raced horses, you can't get much value because it's hard to get a strong opinion. But I think if you just, my strong opinion would be try to beat those two favorites and, and you might get some value out of this first leg. And because, you know, there are a bunch of horses that haven't been proven losers at this level, and there's a good chance with like four or five of them in the race that one of them is going to prove to be, you know, better than those two favorites. So that's the kind of my main opinion in the race. Uh, but I did kind of gravitate to the longest price on the board in here. That's the seven Charbonneau. Um, you know, this horse is a great example of what I like to talk about a lot, and that's these long-term patterns in the way horses develop. And this horse, way back in June, ran a really nice second in uh, a maiden race that was an acclaimer. It was a special weight. And, you know, that race was actually faster than any, the, any race the two favorites have run even recently, and that was like 10 months ago. So or maybe not 10 months ago, seven or eight months ago. So, you know, you would expect that horse to have developed some. And if he does develop just kind of normally since then, he could, you know, convincingly beat the favorites. He did have one prep since then. You know, it, the result wasn't very good, but he did show characteristic speed and then just got tired late. That was in a, uh, against better horses, and it was for a barn that's not a real high percentage barn. So kind of what you would hope to sort of see on that debut. He still has speed, got tired against better. Now they do the logical drop. First time, you know, the biggest drop in racing into a claiming, maiden claiming. Second off the layoff, another one of the biggest angles. First time Lasix, like many of these in here, but he might be the one that will benefit from it the most. Um, and draws a nice outside post and he's got, you know, speed. So to me, 
the seven horse uh, Charbonneau as the long shot in the field can offer some value in the wind pool and definitely one you'd want to include in the pick five. Well, uh, <clears throat> you guys have selected two horses and both of which I'm using. And I, <laughs> Chris, you are correct, actually. Soul of Midnight is my pick. Um, one of the reasons he shows a 42 gate work, and that was a while back, but that's okay because we like that the, the, the earlier that they can run a fast gate work, the better. And, um, he's been, he's been, his workouts haven't been fast lately, but, uh, they don't necessarily need to be, uh, he's proven that he can, that he can run fast. <clears throat> the trainer has a history of doing well with first time starters and he hits a 50, uh, 25% with his jock. So, so it's absolutely a must use. Uh, his dam was also relatively fast. So, so, uh, so that's my topic. I also have Charbonneau, uh, shows one fast race on the dirt. Like you said, uh, early on in his career gets in light, super light, gets seven pounds from these horses. Um, I'm on the fence with big drinker, big drinker had trouble in his last, but I, I thought he, it was more like <clears throat> he was just intimidated. So I'm inclined not to use him at seven to two. Um, but I'm thinking about it. So, uh, you know, based on what you guys say, maybe I may or may not include him. Uh, he's six to one on the morning line, big drinker, not seven to two. Um, oh my so God. I got, I got, I got to put, put, put down the drink. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what happens when you're a big drinker. But I, I just I want to uh, kind of riff on him a little bit. He, I thought he had quite a bit of trouble, and he, he and and started out of the gate, um, and you know it continued after that. So I thought a lot of improvement that we could see on him. And what I really like about him is after that kind of bad start, which was partly his fault. Uh, they show a really sharp recent gate work. So I really like that. Um, I wish I could have watched it, but it wasn't on XBTV because I'd like to see how he got out of the gate in that work. So I can only go off the time. I didn't get to watch it. But, um, you know, anytime you have a horse that kind of gets away slow on debut and has some other excuses and now comes back off a sharp gate drill, um, I, to me, that's a pretty strong angle. So if you got, you know, that six to one seemed like a pretty, he's the second or third longest price on the board. I think he's one you definitely want to use in the pick five and might even be a potential win play depending on, on the, on the, the way they bid it. Okay. Well, that's uh that's, that's uh, a very good point. And, and another thing that I just realized he um, was chasing a CFR closer availability rating of six on uh, racing flow and uh that means it was speed favoring so so he really you know had had a bad trip was far behind and uh it was going to be very hard for him to get up and to win so so that's another reason to to include big drinker yeah not not to pile on but that was the only horse i was considering as a backup and i think you guys made all the points right like the horse was you know, didn't break all the best, spotted the field a couple lengths, chased a slow pace, and comes back with a, a fast gate work, um, perhaps a, a slight rider upgrade as well, although not necessarily one that shows a lot of aggression um, on dirt horses, which I, I wish, you know, that were the case, because I think that that's the, 
the best chance for this horse to to improve today but um i would i would only use big, the three big drinker as as the backup okay let's move to the sixth race it is the sunshine millions yep it's it's alive the sunshine millions still alive somewhere sunshine millions philly and mare turf sprint six and a half furlongs on the downhill turf purse of 150,000 for california breads they're all california breads in these stakes races and um, in this case, they are Phillies and mares, four-year-olds and up. And Chris, why don't you get us started? Yeah, and that's kind of important. Keep in mind, these these are cowbred races. So some of these horses have been, you know, especially these races that go on the turf. Sometimes you'll get horses just trying them because they're cowbred and they're pretty good and they're trying the turf. So keep that in mind on all these turf races. And you know, some of them that look like they might be going up in class, going to stakes race might not be because they've been running an open company. So there's just some things to keep in mind in general um, on these stakes races that are the state bred ones. So in here, you know, Alice Marble is going to be a legit favorite. Um, second off the layoff for D'Amato, stretching out a little bit, getting Pratt. So I'm not going to knock Alice Marble, but I think there's a horse in here that's just as good, possibly. And will be a much better price, and that's the six horse taming the tigress. Um, well, things I like about this horse, first of all, she has done well down the hill before. Uh, in fact, you could argue those are her best races. Uh, when she had a good trip down the hill, that was probably the best race of her career. And um, she is really sharp right now. She comes off a kind of a tough luck second, but it was too fun to dream on the dirt and fun to dream uh and you could argue she might have even been the best horse in that race fun to dream came back and won a grade one race that we covered on the pod um was one of like three or four baffert horses in the race and and won so you know she's in really good form and switching back down the hill i think if anything's going to help her it's certainly not going to hurt her so she's in top form um and she's shown she can handle the, the track. And on top of all that, she's been recently claimed by a, a trainer who's sort of sneaky hot. Um, he, off the claim, obviously, first off the claim was her last race where she ran really big. So that, that's kind of an indication of him being hot. But he's also, in his last seven starts at Santa Anita, he's had one winner at five to one. He had a horse run 50, a second at 50 to one in a graded stakes, another horse run third at 38 to one, and another horse run third at 49 to one in a stakes race. So his horses are outrunning their odds. And he's got the, you know, he certainly um, has um, done well with this horse off the claim. Now, now he has um, given her a little rest and, and put her in, a, in a, obviously a good spot. Um, he probably claimed her knowing that races like this, the state breads down the hill stakes, this horse might be competitive. So I think she'll be a much better price than Alice Marble. I think she's just as likely to win. So I'm going to go with the six, Taming the Tigers. Taming the Tigers, one for three on the hill. Um, interesting that um, most of these horses have done well on the hill, at least one, one race. Uh, Tyler, where are you landing here? Yeah, so just a quick note that I may be overemphasizing this, but if you guys have, have watched, you know, the, I guess the first couple of weekends of racing at Santa Anita, it seems like you do not want to be too far back on this turf course. 
Um, and that includes the down the hill uh, turf course. I'll also say that uh, the Thoroughpace forecast has this as a minus 8.0, which is technically neutral. But for me, I'm very much looking for horses that are going to be forwardly placed. Um, so I'm kind of going back from a top pick selection to the the two horse La Duchime Etoile, um, which I think stands for the second star, second post. You know, a lot of things aligning. Um, I liked the race last time. Uh, set a, a fairly, you know, moderate pace, I would say, if you will, but was able to hang on. Uh, is back quick. I don't necessarily like that because the horse did a similar thing um, in January of last year and did not perform well. Um, although it does get a few more days. So that said, the, the Doug O'Neill barn is relatively hot right now. And it's a barn where when he, you know, strings together wins, you know, pay attention and everything seems to be live um, from his barn. So, you know, with that, it would absolutely be a key in all vertical wagers. Um, hopefully this horse, uh, because, you know, to be fair, she needs to improve uh, to, to win this race based on some of the other past performances. But I do think that that is within reach again with the, the barn heating up and she's, you know, relatively uh, lightly raced still as a, as a four-year-old and has shown steady progression throughout her career. So again, if I can get six to one or more, I'm not only going to lean heavily from a Maltese perspective, but this is one where I think can be a key in every spot within the exotics as well. Um, the only other horse, horses that I would probably use to get through Maltese would be the three Alice Marble. I do think you have to use this. Um, it's hard to be against this horse. The best races are down the hill, despite not, you know, winning each time. And then the number five, Eddie's Dream, which kind of comes from the, the common ownership of the two horse that I like. Um, significant class relief, two for three down the hill, the third in this race last year. Um, both wins kind of sat on a slow pace. That's the only negative that I could see. Okay, well, <clears throat> there's another race where I'm using both of your horses. However, I have a different horse on the winner, the win end, and that is Big Summer. The one horse, Big Summer is two for two down the hill. Her figures went down in her last two races. They were, uh, those races were on dirt and synth. And she figures to improve back to her best, getting back on the hill, putting her right in contention on the numbers. And she's four to one. And that sounds about right in this field. And um, I feel pretty good about her. I am like five deep initially in my pick five, but um, I, I may trim it because I'm I'm liking Big Summer quite a bit. Yeah, what do you think about uh, the rail post for Big Summer? You know, yeah, I, it's not that big a field, so I'm not too worried about it. But. Um, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> well, you know, typically I I kind of downgrade horses that draw the rail down the hill. I'm curious if Tyler does looks at post positions at all with thorough pace and if he has any opinion on that. Yeah, so with thorough pace, we do factor in post position into assigning what we call our speed points, which obviously is a big factor in arriving at our overall pace forecast, if you will. So, um, but, you know, anecdotally, this is a unique configuration. I've historically for years kind of always shot away from the inside two or three posts, um, if, if at all possible. You know, that said, I'm willing to take my horse and, you know, just outside of, of Scotch just because I'm, I'm pretty confident that um, she's going to break and be on the lead. So I, I think what you want to avoid 
is being on the inside and being inside of or being on the inside of speed, which I, I think is what Big Summer does face. Now that said, there's a couple of common opponents here, right? Like Big Summer defeated Big Beauty, which Big Beauty was in the the race that the two horse just just won. So um, you know, I, I think that the horse has the ability. Um, I didn't necessarily downgrade specifically because of the post, but definitely um, don't like the, the post. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same way. I think the horse is good. If it had a, another post, I would probably like it more. But it's cert- I wouldn't shock me at all to see it win. But I think it 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 is tough to come from behind from that rail post. Sometimes, you know, it'll open up when they cross over on the dirt. But crossing over that dirt when you're down on the inside trying to make up ground can you? It's so many ways to get into trouble down that hill. Um, like you said, you're better off. From the inside post, if you can get out and clear, that's a whole different story. But, um, you know, I've always kind of downgraded them a little bit off that. And I do like the two horse for the same reasons you do. I liked her quite a bit in the last race. I just liked another horse more in that race. Um, there was a horse named, uh, I think it was Lady Marianne, who I thought was going to get the lead. And she just got completely wiped out at the start, had no chance at all. I actually ran a pretty decent race to split the field. And with her getting wiped out, then, you know, La Duzeme Etoile, um, Dettori was aggressive and got the lead, and that was, that was you know, game. Uh, I sure wish I could rerun that race with Lady Marion getting a good, clean break, um, but maybe I'll get a shot with her next time she runs. Uh, let me see if I have anything to add. You know, Alice Marble is is tough call. She's right there on numbers. She has a perfectly legitimate shot. Um, she's three for three in the exacta on the hill. Uh, what do we think about her? I mean, do we include she's her? She's going to get over bet. She, she probably, you know, definitely could win, but she's the one that guaranteed will get over bet of, you know, the and she's not that much better than most of the other ones we've talked about, I don't think. I mean, maybe a little better, but not much. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. <clears throat> I would agree with that. And that's actually one of the problems with today's races, that um, a bunch of the races are really evenly matched. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe that's an opportunity to go against a favorite and maybe she gets bet down from the five to two and uh, you can get a little value out of it. Yeah, she's the kind of favorite who's very consistent, right? She's just not really that much faster than any of these. So um, she's the kind of favorite that I think you take a shot at, you know, beating her. But she's not the kind you don't want to try to toss from vertical exotics, where a lot of times you'll get these favorites that um, are kind of the opposite, that if you're going to play them, you just want to play them on top because, you know, they're so inconsistent that when they don't run well, they're typically run off. She's kind of the opposite. All her sprint races have been really solid. And, you know, and she's got great connections and second off the layoff and all that stuff. So to me, she's going to run a race. I just don't think her race is necessarily that much better than anybody else. Okay, well. We'll move on to the seventh race. It's the California Cup Derby, mile and the 16th on dirt, purse of 200,000 for three-year-old Calbreds. And we'll have Tyler get us started on this one. Yeah, so for this, we have a thorough pace forecast of plus 4.4. Again, kind of in that neutral setting, but 
you know, quite honestly, anything under say a plus 10, I'm always going to gravitate towards forward placed uh, runners. And, and part of that has to do with some statistics. If you um, look at the bottom of our reports, we don't, it, it helps with a visual, if you will. Um, you know, basically horses that are on the lead at the first call win a disproportionately more um, races and definitely win the paces in their favor. Um, the, the rail horse here, Thirsty John, is an interesting horse for me. Um, it would be a lone A horse. I wouldn't necessarily say the only horse in a true single. Um, definitely a lot of questions with this horse. Uh, enters the, the Peter Miller barn, uh, hasn't raced since May, so clearly something would have missed. But that debut was pretty promising, I would say. Um, stretches out two turns for the first time. Um, but I will say I, I don't mind that since it's unlikely to be the favorite and I'm going to get, you know, at least a, a decent price here. I think one reason that this horse is so interesting is, you know, these works, at least in my mind, mean business. There's a 17 furlongs worth of works um, in a 10-day 10, 10 period with this horse. Um, you know, I, I know Miller has another horse in their race and, uh, you know, on, on that we get Pratt and that horse is likely to be the, the favorite. Um, but don't dismiss when J.J. Hernandez gets aboard for Miller. Um, typically a, a very, very good combination. Um, and basically I landed on this because I didn't really love anyone else. So um, I realize I'm taking a bit of a shot, but I would lean very heavily on the one horse, um, Thirsty John. I would use one as a backup, but I will let you guys go before mentioning that. Thirsty John, the trainer combo, Peter Miller and J.J. Hernandez hitting it. 258, 42%, 258 ROI, and uh, the uh, in the last year and a half um, at Santa Anita. Chris, where are you? Well, I'm detecting a trend here. We had Big Drinker, and now we've got Thirsty John um, going. So I'm not sure what all that means, but I'm on exactly the same horse, Thirsty John. Um, to me, he's a lot like Charbonneau, just better. Um, you know, he on debut, it just he ran a really nice race way back in May. Um, and you know, for all the reasons I've already stated, you'd expect him to be much faster now. But that what makes that May race even more impressive is he won that for connections that aren't high percentage, aren't, you know, really good first time starters. And they now he, he's in a barn that is a high percentage. And they spot the horse in a really aggressive spot. They've already got one horse in here, and they're bringing it back in a route um, in a stakes. And, you know, the horse, by stay thirsty, there's a reason why it shouldn't be able to route. But, I mean, there's a lot of other spots they could probably find for this horse. Um, and like uh, Tyler said, I really like those long work, especially that 111 and change workout. It seems like got him cranked to try to get him to roll first time out. He draws the rail as a good rider. You know, the outside horse, Geezer's the only other speed, but they've consistently tried to rate this horse in all the starts, so I don't think they're, they're going to change that tactic. Maybe they'll screw me up, and they will, but I think they're going to let the one go, and he might lead for a long time. He might need a race, um, but uh, he also might wire the field. So. Uh, not a great price at four to one, but I think that might be the most talented horse in the race. So I'll go with the one thirsty John. Okay. Uh, I'm actually, I'm going to go with the old geezer. He had big trouble his first time going two turns. <clears throat> he was fast before that. And if he gets back to those numbers, he can win the one negative 
and 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 I don't love this race, but one of the reasons is because my top pick has a, a glaring negative, and that is that the sire Merritt Man has had offspring try one mile or more nineteen times, and none of them has won yet. Now it's gonna change, and you know he he ran a really good race in his last race. Um, and he he should be near the lead, so so I I think he can. <clears throat> I'm not going to let that stat prevent me from picking him on top. Um, but that that is something to consider. I think give or not a taker. Um, uh, give or not a taker is r- really hard not to use. Uh, his pattern looks really nice. Uh, it's interesting because sometimes this happens on the sheets. Give or not a taker had uh, in in his second race had um, had a, a huge figure and that's why when we when we 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 played him in the la- in the next race we we thought like hey this this horse has no chance to lose he's a single in the pick five <clears throat> well it turns out that for whatever reason they revised that figure and by revising that figure made his overall pattern going into this race look really good. And uh, I thought his last race was pretty nice. So so I would also use Giver Not a Taker. And I think Passerando, who just won around his uh, just won his first two turn race, he continues to improve and I think he can can continue to improve and I think he'll be higher than the two to one of his morning line. So so those are the three I'm interested in. Geezer, Giver Not a Taker, and Passerando. I'm worried about Thirsty John, but I don't know, I can't play them all. <laughs> Tyler, anything else you want to add on this one? The, the only backup that I will use is kind of a horse that both of you have mentioned. That's the outside horse, number seven, Geezer. Uh, several horses exit that same race where uh, one of the horses around the turn, I think the first turn, lost the jockey. Um, the riderless horse kind of followed him all around there. And, you know, arguably the number seven, Geezer, in that race took the worst of it. Um, so I, I think there's a, a world in which, um, and, and clearly, you know, the, the best race of its life, you know, where it won by eight links was at Santa Anita, albeit sprinting. Um, you know, so I, I do think that that's the, the one horse that I would back up because I do see a, a good trip right behind the rail horse. Again, I'm assuming they're going to send that horse and this horse can probably sit right outside and right off of and, and perhaps, uh, you know, get first run. Yeah, I just have, I, kind of want to like geezer um but i watching his races and looking at his breeding he showed me nothing that says he wants to go two turns i actually thought he i mean he did he was rank because they were trying to rate him but when that horse lost its rider he kind of inherited the lead and it bothered a bunch of horses behind him so i actually think he benefited from that race that uh, I thought the one, uh, the co- horse coming back in here that took the worst of it, it was the six horse crypto ride. We actually had to take up some and was kind of caught wide all the way around and went to the lead and just got, you know, snapped at the wire by giver not a taker. But I think, you know, if there's a second horse I'm going to play in here, that's the one. Um, I think he can flip the script on giver not a taker with um, in here. Now he's definitely, his siblings were all better routing. Um, and like I said, I think in that common race, you know, he was the one who had the worst of the trips. So for me, uh, after Thirsty John, uh, Crypto Ride is the one I'm the most interested in. 
all the other three horses you mentioned wouldn't be surprised if they won. I just don't think there's much value there except for maybe Geezer. But like I said, the thing I don't like about Geezer is just that they clearly think they've got to rate him to get distance. And he just is not the kind of horse that likes to be rated. So I'm not sure how they're going to win this, but maybe, you know, maybe they can get him to settle and Thirsty John comes back and, and you know, he gets first run and wins it. I guess could be it, but um, you know, I just I'm just haven't seen that horse show me that he wants to go win at a mile and sixteenth. We'll see. But the price could be making playable. Um but like I said, out of that common race, I'll take crypto right. All right, let's move to the eighth race. It is the Leanne Howard California Cup Oaks. A mile on turf, purse of 200,000 for three-year-old fillies. And I believe it's Chris's turn to get us started. Yeah, this one, you know, the favorite is solid. All her turf routes have been good. So, I mean, I'm probably the most likely winner. But these are young horses and, you know, with a lot of upside, some of them. So... I'm even though I respect that one, I think you probably do need to use it in the pick five. I'm still looking for horses to beat her. And the one I landed on, there's two, but the one I, I'm going to go with um, for the pod pick would be the one horse, Carol Lombard. Uh, she's the one with a lot of upside. You know, she's only had two starts, only one route. You know, her debut sprinting was clearly a prep. You know, she didn't do much running till the end. Her second start was nice. Um, she still looked a little green, um, but won pretty easily. I think there's room for improvement now. She draws the rail. It's, you know, D'Amato. Uh, she's eight to one on the morning line. That seems a little optimistic for D'Amato horse that with an upside like this. Um, so I don't think it'll get eight to one, but, you know, even like five or six to one is probably fair value, maybe even bettable. So, uh, and I do think, you know, sell the dream is going to get pounded down well below that two to one morning line. So Carol Lombard is a, is a nice looking Philly pun intended. And, uh, the one I would go with. Uh, uh <clears throat> out of, uh, she's a Bronx bomber and she's one for one at the distance. Tyler, what are you thinking? So I, I think this this race we have is a thorough pace forecast of plus zero point one. So again, uh, another race neutral fractions, which you know theoretically should be uh, fair to all horses. But uh, on this turf course, I'm again looking for horses that I think are going to be forwardly placed. I think the one horse Carol Lombard is an absolute use, should be forward, might be improving. Uh, but I'll actually take the number six Loyal to a fault, um, who is in the same race as that that horse. Um, but was closer to a relatively fast pace. This horse needs to improve. Um, I like Nyquist as a sire. I'm tossing the last race. It's on dirt. Uh, you know, honestly, the horse is still a maiden. I get that. The price, you know, should compensate for that. I do also like the December 31st five furlong work that shows, you know, maybe there's reason to believe this horse is uh, continuing to develop and move forward and perhaps has a preferred surface of the the turf. I guess, you know, you, you never know. Um, and then the the only other comment that I will make in this race is the outside horse number nine cast member. 
um, there's a, a reason or a world in which this horse, you know, actually improves on grass and, and might do quite well and could be very tough from that outside stalking position as well. Okay, another tough race. Uh, I'm going to go with quickly park it, who checked on the first turn in her last race. <clears throat> she shows a nice progression and looks ready to improve. <clears throat> I also like Carol Lombard. Uh, Carol Lombard looked good winning her maiden. I, I'd be shocked if she was as high as eight to one. She looked good in that race, and she's going to get bet. So, um, I would I would think she have a lot of upside after an easy win and galloping out well. Sell the dream was gritty on the inside in her last, galloped out well, um, has the best figs, but has yet to win at two turns. Yeah, but, I you know, uh, I was going to say, she's been chasing. My, I mean, Comanche country, who she finished second behind twice, would be one to nine in this race. So, you know, winning is not necessarily indicative of her performance or ability relative to the field is all I would say on that. And, and the only thing that I want to mention, I don't want to talk you off your kick, um, Scott, but the number seven quickly park it is a, Again, I, I may be overemphasizing this, but horses that are going to have to make up ground, um, I'm kind of downgrading in my head until they show me at this meet that it's possible to make up ground. And then the only other comment, just because it makes a point on, on thorough pace, is that we have the, the race two back as a uh, plus 32, and this horse trailed. Um, so, again, theoretically, that should favor um, closers or stretch runners, if you will. And this, this horse was um, able to make up ground but they were pace advantaged, if you will. So um, again, that that may be somewhat counterintuitive, but that's in the context of today. She is very much unlikely to get a pace, anything like that in, to close into, if that makes sense. So, you know, at least in my mind, she's competitive. She's one that I consider, but is a relative downgrade because I don't think that she's going to get the setup that she's had in her two wins. Yeah, and you know, I, I I I have to admit that I put her on top because of that uh, eight to one morning line, which I think she's likely to be, um, and she's more likely to be that than Carol Lombard. But um, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't single her, and I won't have a win bet on her. But um, you know, the numbers to me say she's looking pretty good, and the trainer now switches to. A, I don't know if it's his go-to jockey, but he's hitting at 38% with his jockey in the last two years. Yeah, I, just a couple things. One, the five-horse Niven, I think is how you say that, is scratched. So we didn't mention that. It, it shows scratch in the program. So in case people hadn't seen the program and hadn't seen that change, five is scratched. Um in terms of uh, who's going to get the lead in here, you know, loyal to a fault has speed for sure, but it seems like the four Charlie is the one who's going to go grab the lead. In my opinion, I don't know if horse is good enough to win. It's stretching out route for the first time. You know, it's breeding's kind of it's out of a tap at mare by Motown, so maybe it can handle stretch out. What do you think of that one, Tyler? From a you know, front end perspective, the four horse Charlie. Yeah, as, as we assign uh, pace points, it's uh, it's sitting at a plus eighteen, which is the highest of any horse in this race. So, you know, again, on, on our stuff, it it would be uh, the horse that would uh, inherit the lead. 
you know, all that being said, it's not a horse that has necessarily, I guess, wanted the lead, but in this race probably does, does get it for sure. So, um, you know, it, again, that's this plus 0 0.1. That kind of is a, a, a notation that there's probably not a confirmed front runner or, or need the lead type in this race. Um, and I think what you said makes sense. I did consider the number four. Charlie also exits that, um, you know, exits a common race for a couple of these. And, and I, I did think it was worth a look, but I, I ultimately just decided to um, stick mostly with the, the one, the six, and a little bit of nine. Okay, let's let's move to the ninth race. It is an allowance optional allowance optional claimer, a mile in the dirt, purse seventy two thousand four four year olds and up. Tyler, what are you thinking here? So I think this race with our forecast, we have a plus two point one again in neutral setting. So um, I'm gonna look for forward uh, forwardly placed horses. We actually have one uh, noted as controlling speed, and that's the rail horse. I know cash flow. Um, I will admit it's a little bit asking a lot for this horse to do, um, as with its stablemate Thirsty John in a couple of races before. Um, this horse, you know, likely projects to be alone early uh, in this race. And I, and I think, you know, as a result, if left alone too much, if Pratt is aggressive out of the gate, could hang on. Um, definitely a, a horse that I would uh, would use. Uh, all that being said, this horse didn't have much excuse in the last. It, it led in a, a race that we have as minus 4.0, which should have theoretically favored the horse. It couldn't hold on, um, but nevertheless might find the pace dynamics a little bit favorable today, more favorable today. I'm a little bit anti number eight Leia's candy. Um, you know, the, the figures are there. That's for sure. I will admit the horse was very wide in the last race. And I, I do, you know, use thoroughgraph when I have them available from a speed figure standpoint. So definite upgrades wide around both turns. Um, but I ultimately don't think that that horse wants to go two turns, think it's a, a sprinter. Um, but my, my top pick of the race, uh, you know, quite honestly, despite the one being controlling speed is the number seven holiday arousal. Um, I think this horse gets back to the ideal distance. I can envision a very nice stalking trip just sitting on the outside. Um, should be more forward today as we extend out to the uh, the, the the route distance. Um, and Hess, if you if you look at his stats, kind of interesting. If you there's a, a a flag, if you will, in DRF formulator where you can restrict it to restrict restricted or or state bred stakes. And if you look at dirt sprints, he has a positive ROI, ROI and it's saying I need a seven for 34, which is 21%, definitely above his normal rate. And that's a 236 ROI. So, you know, I like holiday arousal to be fair. I liked him in his last race, um, but I do definitely like him stretching back out to his preferred distance today. Okay. Top pick of I know cash flow who may just get the lead and is two for four at Santa Anita. Chris, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I know cash flow as, you know, probably clears from the rail. Um, so from that standpoint, I see I, I couldn't eliminate his chances, but just not a lot of upside and just really slow compared to most of these other races, horses. So I don't know, but, may, you know, saving ground around both turns and maybe it improves a little bit could win but i wish it was a little faster and i'd be more excited about that i think also with pratt and miller you're not going to get much of a price um but i was trying to to go that way um just couldn't quite go from a figure standpoint so i ended up on uh the five horse donner lake um it took her a while or him a while to break his maiden 
um, which was his last race on the turf. But he hasn't raced that much. And you could say, you know, I'll say, I think his best race was actually going a mile on the dirt um, in a maiden race where he lost um, this summer. But uh, he lost to some pretty good horses. I mean, Gojo won, came back and won a stakes race and beat three or four highly regarded Baffert horses. And then a couple other horses out of that race came back and won. So I think that was a strong race. That was the last time it routed on the dirt. Clearly in good form and just ran the best turf race of his life. I think it actually could improve back on the dirt. Um, It's not going to be on the lead. Uh, it'll have to come from a little bit out of it, um, but I'm, um, you know, I just think this horse is a lot better than it looks. And even though it lost, like I said, that maiden race um, where it ran fourth, that was probably against a better field than it's facing here. In fact, I, I'll say it was against a better field than it's facing here. So, um, you know, maybe you know that horse is better than you think, and. You might get a price eight to one could get that could even get get more than that <clears throat> well uh i am using donner lake and that was my initial pick in the race he earned a couple of nice dirt figures and better than any of his turf races looks poised to run a big one off a of brief freshening however i finally uh, i ended up switching to a horse that may get bet and that is big talker he has the best figure of these horses in his last race. Runs for a trainer that's hitting at 33% the last 90 days. And um, if you watch the last race, you know, he he powered away from them. And it just seems like, you know, it was it sort of matched his best previous race, which was on the turf. And uh, for this trainer and and this jockey who's hitting, they're hitting at 27% together. Uh, I like his chances. So big talkers for me on top, and then I'll just use him and Donner Lake. Anything else, Tyler? Uh, the only thing I would add is that six horse. You know, we had that closing, relatively closing, at least at the first call, into a minus 28 pace. So, you know, again, definitely considered that horse and think that it has a great shot to hit the board. Like the horse a lot better if there was more speed in the race. Yeah, is that it for you, is, Chris. Okay, go ahead. Uh, well, I was gonna say there is speed. I'm not sure there's real quality speed though. Um, and I am kind of hoping that the that they maybe send that three horse no longer a hobby. And if they do that to keep the one honest, I think you know it should be a, a decent setup for the others. But yeah, you're right. You know, on the dirt, going a mile, uh, speed can be dangerous for sure. We'll move to the last race. It's the Unusual Heat Turf Classic. A mile and an eighth on turf. Purse of 200000 for four-year-olds and up. And Chris, your turn to get us started. Yeah, this one is the one where I'm going to kind of give an out, kind of out there pick. This is my sort of bomber pick of the week. Um I like the for one thing I'll say to start off, this is a mile and an eighth. Now that's not exactly marathon distance, but for California 
you know, state breads. A lot of these horses are have never gone the distance, and probably that this is farther than they ever want to go. So I'm not saying every horse in the race fits that, but a lot of them do. So I'm I'm looking for a horse I think will will improve, you know, going a mile and eighth or farther and is a price. And for me, that's the nine horse. I love, 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 love. Um she is definitely better going longer or he is definitely better going longer. Um not this last summer, but the summer before that. So we're going back a little ways. The horse got really good when they stretched it out to longer distances on the turf. So it was clearly prefers going long on the turf. Um, kind of went off form early last year, but it rounded back into form this year and it was claimed in its last and, and it, it ran probably the best race that it's run um, in a while. And that was going only a mile and 16th. Now they get to go a little farther um, against state breads. You know, that this is an example where, you know, that race I think was an open claimer. Uh, sounds like it's a lot weaker field than this, but probably was comparable to what it's facing here um, against state breads. And um, it was claimed, I was first off the claim, and I kind of like the fact they claimed it probably thinking, you know, we're going to target longer races with this horse and especially against state breads. And here's a great opportunity. Um, should be closing, um, going a mile and an eighth. This is a race where I think there's plenty of horses that want to be near the leads for, for this distance at this class level so that the closers shouldn't have much of a problem. And the outside post doesn't bother me with the long run to the turn and the fact this horse is going to drop back anyway. So. At a big price, I like the nine love love. Actually, I love the nine love love. <clears throat> That's love with an L-U-V for love love. Um, Tyler, what are you thinking? Yeah, so not to sound like a broken record, but another turf race with a neutral pace minus 2.7. Actually, not fully confident as to who will necessarily be on the lead in this race. Um, it's worth noting, uh, at least from a thorough pace perspective, we have the the one, the eight, and the nine all trying to close into really slow paces in their last race. In the case of the rail horse, both of its last um, two races. Again, the only issue is they're not really getting more pace today. Um, in my mind, the number eight, probably the, the most successful at the distance, if you will, or has the, the least amount of questions um, and will likely be the favorite, perhaps a heavy one. And I'm going to take a little bit of a stand against it. I wouldn't want to talk you off your horse, um, Chris. But again, with the, the caveat that I've made in all these turf races, that just the, the track has seemed to play kinder to horses that are forwardly uh, placed on the grass. And so for me, that that kind of by default maybe land on the number five horse, um, Kings River Knight. So three for three on the turf, but a little bit questionable at this distance for sure. Um, the horse seems to be appears to be working well. And, you know, I just kind of have this feeling that Frankie Dettori is a pretty savvy rider, especially when it comes to, to <clears throat> you know, pace and understanding, you know, how that factors into differences at different um, configurations and, and different um, lengths, if you will, you know. So with that, I'm, I'm going to trust that he's aggressive with this horse out of the gate, that this horse will, um, you know, stick around and go perfect four for four on the turf. 
Okay. Um, you know, before I go into my pick, I, I will note that, you know, you're, you're right, at least based on the figures I'm looking at, the speed has been really, really strong, uh, at least in the first seven races at Santa Anita in the last, you know, as part of this meet. Um, <clears throat> however, th with all that rain, I wonder if the speed will still be there. Uh, they, they did get a lot of rain. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a good turf course. Uh, um, that aside, I will mention that only Alligato and Carmelita's man have won at the distance. And, um, and then, and then my top pick, you know, I thought this was just like the, an impossible field. So I decided to go with a price and that is bang for your buck. You just missed at the distance two races ago. Now he gets in a little bit lighter than most. He carries 120, and most of them carry 124. And he's 15 to 1 morning line. So he is my top pick. But I will also use Kings River Knight at that nice 3 for 3 on the turf. Looks to have as good a chance as any. And Alligato, you know, he won this particular race at the distance last year. He's fresh and could pop third off a layoff. So... Not sure how to play it, but um, those would be my three horses. Yeah, I think you make a good point about. I don't know if I would put any stock at all in any of the any of the data on the turf course to this point because it's going to be a completely different turf course that they're running on on Saturday. I don't know if it's going to be more speed favoring or less speed favoring. I would inclined to think it'll be less speed favoring because it's not going to be slick wet if anything it's going to be there's going to be some give in it um so that you know i i'm not saying i know what it's going to be like i just wouldn't use past data um you know so far through the meet which is pretty small amount of data anyway and project off that just because i think the this turf course will be completely different you know the dirt course may end up being the same you know because they can work it and and they've had, they'll have a couple of days of dry weather, but the turf course, it's just got to dry out. It's not that hot. And given the amount of rain they've had, it's hard to believe it will be dried up and nearly as firm as it was before the, the rain started. So I would just keep that in mind. Scott made a really good yeah. point there. I, I will say just two quick comments on that. Like there are two turf races before, and I will be watching those closely, you know, as, as um, you know, preparation for putting in tickets for this multi-race sequence maybe able to learn something for that. And then the the second thing, and perhaps more, if not equally important, is that in all three turf races, we, we kind of have them as paces that are going to favor speed runners, even if the turf course was playing, you know, we'll just call it fair, right? So so I think that my, my points are still, I'll still stand by them, if you will, even if it is more kind to, to closers in uh, the coming days, but, you know, we'll we'll see. Yeah, and I would I would agree with that in the first two races we talked about, the race down the hill and the mile. Uh, but this mile and an eighth distance with these horses that all look, many of them look suspect or questionable at the distance. And they, most of them want to be forwardly placed, if not necessarily on the lead. I, I just think it neutralizes any speed advantage. Um, if there was a really good horse proven at the distance that was, was going to clear or something, but there isn't. There's a whole bunch of horses that are suspect at the distance, and they're all, you know. So I, 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 I'm just thinking this last race. I, I would disagree with the speed favoring hypothesis. The other two, I could go with it, 
But even if this was the old Xenia Turf course, I'd still be willing to back uh, a closer, especially if you have a price in this last race. All right, well, I guess we've we've covered the the races, uh, the six races today. Uh, now, uh, I know this is a popular segment, but do we have what do we want to discuss vulnerable favorites and which ones are the most vulnerable? Sure, we can talk about it. Um, we've got Carmelita's man in the last race, Leia's candy in the race before that, sell the dream. Um, Give her not a taker, and Alice Marble, and King Zog. Those are our six favorites. So we'll let, let Tyler. Um, who would you say of those six are the most vulnerable, um, and who are the ones that you maybe are more inclined to lean on in the in the pick six? Yeah, I think the, I think in the first leg, King Zog is, is definitely vulnerable. I would um, probably lean and use fairly heavily. Again, not my top pick, but number three, Alice Marble. I think she's a, a likely okay favorite. The the seventh race, the Cal Cup Derby, I actually don't know which one of the couple of horses that are going to be short will be the favorite. Um, I didn't necessarily love either one of them. Um, and then when we move to the the Eighth race, I think Sell the Dream, I believe it is, and in, in that race is a horse that I would definitely include. I really had a hard time um, tossing anyone, although, you know, again, wouldn't be my my top selection in that race. And then for the last two, I'd say I'm probably against both of them. Uh, the number eight, Leia's Candy, is just more from a, I don't think that she is uh, or, uh, trustworthy at the distance. And then in the the last, um, you know, again, we, we kind of hashed it out on what the pace scenario will be like, but I think that horse could actually have the the most ground to make up um, when it's all said and done. And, you know, I, I, again, just despite having the best record at the distance, um, do think that she doesn't hold a, a significant figure edge over many of these horses um, and could be a little bit vulnerable at what figures to be a very short price. I, I mean, I do think that the eight is going to be absolutely crushed in that last race. Um, you know, I could be wrong, but. How about you, Scott? How do you rate them? <clears throat> Excuse me, I, I have a cat on my shoulder now. <laughs> as long as it doesn't start purring in the microphone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you heard her purr. She's been definitely trying to yeah, express some opinions she did. during this. Very pod. early, I think she was she was purring at the very beginning a little bit. Yep, yep, that was her. Um, uh, well, I, <clears throat> I, I, I agree that King Zog is uh, a very vulnerable favorite. Um, I'm worried about, uh, you know, I, I also, I think that Alice Marble, give her not a taker and sell the dream are, uh, pretty legitimate, have legitimate shots. So I'm not necessarily eager to play against them. I am against Leia's candy. Um, even though I think the horse has a shot, uh, just seems like it's a good opportunity to go against. And, um, I'm kind of neutral on Carmelita's man. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm kind of in between and pretty close to both of you. I um, totally agree with there. We all agree. King Zog is he's going to Zog his way, hopefully, um, you know, out of the money in that race. I agree. Alice Marble and Sell the Dream are probably the two strongest. Um, the ones I'm probably more likely to include. Um, 
I think I'm more on the negative side with Tyler on Giver Not a Taker than with Scott, but I'm kind of in between on that one. And um, again, I'm a little more favorable to Carmelita's man than than um, Tyler is because I I'm putting a little more more emphasis on the horses that have shown they can get the distance. Um, not so worried about the pace. So uh, not that I think it's a strong favorite, but it's one I'm not dying to bet against. I'm a little surprised you think they're going to really hammer that horse. Um, you might be right. You might be right. Um, but I thought Alligato would take a lot of money in there. So I thought those two would buy for favoritism. We'll, we'll see. Um, I think the morning line might not be that far off on that one. So we're kind of all in the same park. We're all agree that the first leg, you want to beat the favorites, um, get it started that way, that Alice Marble and Sell the Dream are probably the strongest two favorites. And then there's a little bit of a mixed opinion on the other three. None of us really like them. Maybe I guess we're all kind of against Leia's candy a bit too. So, And then the other favorites were kind of neutral. Some of us a little negative, some a little less negative. That sound about right? Think so. Think so. And actually, uh, our vulnerable favorites uh, predictions really came through last week. Um, didn't 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 help me hit the pick five, but um, but it was you know at least we 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 hit the nail on the head. At least current Colonel Liam didn't do anything. Um, any spot plays, gentlemen. I let Tyler go because he he yeah he said he's got his thorough pace spot play. So why don't you go with those? Yeah, so one of the advantages of Thoroughpace is that I can quickly scan through really an entire day of racing and kind of look at the forecast and say, here's a, you know, uh, well, a couple of things. Here's a, a forecast that's projected to be kind of on one extreme or the other. I like those races because it shows me how the race is likely to unfold and where I need to focus my handicapping. Um, and then the second part is, you know, to use a very simplistic in our new iteration of this, kind of have this green box, red box thing where we flag pace advantaged or pace disadvantaged in the last two races. And by a combination of those two things, it at least eliminates a lot of races um, that I don't have to look at, right? Um, you know, the flip side of that is I find myself playing races that I probably normally wouldn't have before. A good example of that is Aqueduct tomorrow, race one. The forecast is minus 15.0. Um, the number five horse, Kamar, is 15 to one and really looks like the horse could be completely loose. Um, it may not win the race, but this is the type of horse that I feel like uh, because of, of how, you know, how, how loose it will be, it definitely should and could hang on for a piece of it. And, and is a horse that I might try to key um, in verticals with some of the more proven horses. If you look back at the horses races on June 3rd and December 4th of 2021, you know, those are admittedly back in the form. This horse doesn't win a, a ton, but both of those races are basically the same pace setup that he's going to get tomorrow. Um, and I, I think is, is worth a, a look or a consideration, um, at least. Moving to Aqueduct Race 8, the Jerome Stakes, and a lot of eyes will be on that. There's derby points on it. This race looks like it could be a complete meltdown. Um, we have that as a plus 35, which there's really no more stretch runner favoring uh, pace designation that we would have. As a result, I'm kind of against the favorite Arctic Arrogance. I don't think the horse necessarily needs the lead. 
Um, but I, I kind of wonder if the number one horse neural network might be the the best finisher of the bunch and would probably be the one that I would give the, the push to. So again, not a, not a strong play out of that race, which is something interesting to consider. Um, I will say too, that oftentimes when you get to these uh, first or early season preps, you, you have horses that are exiting prep races. They won their first race or their first couple of races by speed. That doesn't mean they have to be that. So again, I would just caveat that opinion in the Jerome with that. And then the final race that I'll mention is at Golden Gate Fields, race three to minus 1.2. Again, horses on the lead should be favorable at that. If you look at the number three horse, DeLorean, um, this this horse led in a race that had a plus 32 pace in the, the last race, last out. Um, much better pace scenario here. Hung on for fourth in that race. Will be five to two, a short price horse, but one that I think, you know, if you can get that morning line, might actually represent value in that situation. Sorry, I had to. I had to. I had to walk away from the computer for a second. There, who, who was the last horse that you liked? What was the name of it? Golden Gate Fields, um, race three, the number three horse. Um, I guess it's DeLorean, is how I would say it. All right, great. So, well, Ty, uh, so Ty, I just want to ask Tyler a question. So, I'm looking at the the pace sheet for Golden Gate, and the next race. Looks like a race that would be highly favorable to speed, and you've got the the two horses, the most likely leader. Leader. Why did you highlight the race before that more than the race after? Is that because of price on the two horse? I'm just curious why you didn't say something about that fourth at Golden Gate. Uh, no, you're, it's a good point, right? I, and actually, as I was scanning for races to discuss, I, I, I'm being completely honest that I missed that. That might actually represent a good. Um, double opportunity there because again you're right the number two desert dude in race four does look like should be you know the the controlling speed in a, a rather paceless race for sure uh the reason that i wanted to highlight the number three horse in the the, the past in, in the race before was just because we would have the the race in his last designated as pace disadvantage um you know which is another way of saying like i'm going to upgrade that horse today so um and it's it's a horse that, that fits on figures and looks otherwise good as well uh, so definitely a, a horse that I want to play. So maybe we've identified a double there, race three and race four. So how would I know? I, I'll just, I won't ask any more on this promise, Scott. So how would I know that that horse had been paced disadvantage in his last race? I don't see that information anywhere on the sheet. Where do I get that? So the, I will, three I, will horses. I, I will tweet this out and you guys can can retweet it. I will also send you guys the PDF of this for tomorrow. Um, I'm I'm referring to something which is kind of our next iteration of the product, um, which I think, you know, folks are, are going to find even more value to. So I guess I'm, I'm kind of cheating and I'm looking at something you're not exactly looking at, Chris. Okay. I just want to make sure, I'm just trying to make sure I understand what I'm looking at. And I think I do, but it's just, you have some information that that's a future product you're looking at, and I, it's, that information is not on what I'm looking at. So that's fine. I understand. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't misreading what I was looking at. That's all. No, you're, you're right. You know, part of uh, launching anything new is educating people and telling them how they can use it. So that's, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be on with you guys today and talk a little bit about it, and we'll, we'll educate some more. All right. Looking forward to the future iteration of that product. I'd like to thank our guest, Tyler Wisman. Tyler, thank you for hanging with us. Thanks for having me, guys. That will conclude show number 207 of the Sport of Kings pod. Good luck at Santa Anita and wherever else you play. And please enjoy the Brooklyn 
Boogaloo blowout. I'll see you on the 14th. Cheers. Giddy up.